It's great to be a preacher. The Reader's Digest often puts little articles in about preachers. There was such a one not too long ago stating things that people had spoken to their pastor following Sunday services to encourage him, sincerely trying to say something nice and correct. One said, Pastor, you always manage to find something to fill up the time. Another one said, I don't care what they say, I like your sermons. <laughs> Another said, if I'd known you were going to be good today, I'd have brought a neighbor. Another one kindly said, we shouldn't make you preach so often. I think my favorite is the one someone said to me one Sunday. Pastor, your message today for me was like water to a drowning man. It's a great life, and thanks for all your kind comments. They mean a lot. Last Sunday, we dealt with our enemy. This is a continuation today as we move to the path of victory. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. We read verse 13 earlier. Let's add verse 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. There's always that possibility. If we don't keep on the right path, Keep our focus clear. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not permit or suffer you to be tempted above what ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. The path to victory. Did you realize that the soul is not a rigid thing, just as the body is not a rigid thing? It can shrivel or it can grow, just like our bodies shrivel or grow, according to how we feed and exercise them. You feed your body, you exercise your body in certain ways in order that it may be nourished and strengthened. So it is with the soul. Certain things must be done in order for your soul to be nourished and strengthened so you can walk the path to victory. That is the background of our message to you today. Christian growth is not an automatic thing. Facing life takes a positive attitude. It takes certain steps for us to follow. And I want to give you those steps today. They are very simple. There are eight of them, and I'm going to throw them at you very rapidly, and they will be like rungs on a ladder by which we achieve the victory that Paul has promised to keep us from falling and to help us stand firmly in the presence of God. The first rung in the ladder to victory is prayer. 1 John 5, 14 and 15, If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. What is prayer to you? We pray because God is. God is a reality. 
Why is it that we are reticent when it comes to praying, when it comes to communicating with God? Prayer is communion, and life is distorted without that communion. You cannot have a victorious Christian life without prayer. Some of you have some very bad ideas about what prayer is. You think it is some holy thing that draws you off into a closet or into a chapel or into a sanctuary that you can only pray in a certain place or that you have to learn a certain language to pray, or that you have to come to a certain level of spiritual experience before you would ever dare come into the presence of God. Those are erroneous thoughts. We learn in Luke 18 of what Jesus felt about prayer when we look at the Pharisee and the publican. The Pharisee was self-righteous. He was one who thought he was perfect. But the publican smote his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He went away justified. He was not worthy, even as Ira has sung, to enter into the presence of God. But he knew that God would hear him. Somehow he knew that. And it had nothing to do with his worthiness, but it had everything to do with what God had provided for his life. Communion is doing what I'm doing with you. Talking. Sharing a message. Communication. You can do it driving, walking, working behind the sink, doing the dishes, at your desk, at school. You can do it anywhere and everywhere you are. You can commune with God. You can talk to God and pour out your heart to God. The disciples observing the life of Jesus in Luke, the 11th chapter, felt this need and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Oh, I trust you feel that today. It's the first step in growth. It's talking to your Father. It's communicating with the Lord on a regular basis. This is where loss of fellowship begins or where victory starts. If you cease to pray, the loss of fellowship begins. If you begin to pray, fellowship and victory start. That is the consideration I want all of you to do right now in your own life. What am I doing in this area of prayer? Am I talking with God on a regular basis? Judas was out betraying him when the rest of them were with Jesus in the garden of prayer. That is a good picture of what happens to many of us when we neglect that place of communion, when we neglect that relationship with him, we're off betraying him. What is it that keeps the victory rolling and Satan out of our way? It is that communication with God that brings his power, brings his help, brings his forgiveness, brings his healing into our circumstances. Prayer is the first step on that path. The second one is church services. Ephesians chapter 2, 19 through 22 says in part that we are fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. I have yet to meet a believer who does not have fellowship with the church of Jesus Christ, with the body of believers that Paul speaks about who is in victory. 
God has so set this thing up that we need the services of the church, the inspiration of the preaching of the Word of God, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, when we come into that fellowship together in the household of God, there is a, is a release of power, a release of faith that enables us to stand against the wiles of the devil when we leave the house of God. Why, then, are we so negligent about church services? Hebrews 10.25 says, I exhort you, and we are to exhort one another, not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day? The day of the Lord. Troubles are increasing. Pressure is getting greater. The enemy knows his days are short. The time is limited, and he's working overtime. It seems to pull us away from the fellowship of God and of his people. But there is an appointment with God announced weekly, regularly, where we can gather together for the Word of God and the fellowship of believers and be strengthened in our walk with the Lord if we neglect it. We become a prey to the enemy. We become one that is weak and insufficient to stand in the time of testing. There was a man in England I read about who wanted to conquer Mount Everest in the 1920s. His name was Mallory. He led an expedition to try to conquer that great mountain. The first expedition failed, as did the second then with a team of the best qualified and able mountain climbers available, Mallory made a third assault on Mount Everest. But in spite of careful planning and extensive safety precautions, disaster struck. An avalanche hit when Mallory and his team were climbing the face of Everest, and most of his party were killed, including himself. When the few who did survive returned to England, they held a banquet saluting the great people of Mallory's final expedition. As the leader of the survivors stood to acknowledge the applause of the people gathered together, he looked around the hall at the framed pictures of Mallory and his comrades who had died. Then he turned his back to the crowds to face the huge picture behind him of Mount Everest, which stood looming like a silent giant over the banquet table. With tears streaming down his face, he did not address the people who were now to his back, but he addressed the mountain on the wall on behalf of Mallory and his dead friends. And this is what he said, I speak to you, Mount Everest, in the name of all brave men living and those yet unborn. Mount Everest, you defeated us once. You defeated us twice. You defeated us three times. But Mount Everest, we shall someday defeat you because you can't get any bigger and we can. When I read that, I thought of the services of the church and it appealed to me in the same way that that banquet opportunity appealed to that man. The devil throws his darts and his arrows. The devil puts things in our pathway to trip us up. And we may have failed once. We may have failed twice. 
We may have failed three times, but we speak to the enemy, and we speak to our circumstances, and we say, you are going to be defeated because you can't get any bigger, but we can. And in the house of God, faith grows. Hallelujah. Faith increases, and we stand tall with our heads up, our shoulders back, and we go out to face the Mount Everest of our life. And in the name of the Lord, we conquer because we grow tall when we come into the presence of God. Oh, that we might see it more and more. Church services. What do they mean in your schedule? When we consider how much time we sit together in the house of God versus how much time we spend doing other things, we ought to be ashamed of ourselves. Paul said in Romans 1.11, I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift. And that's what happens when we come together, the impartation of spiritual gifts and of the blessing of God as we climb the ladder of discipleship, the path to victory. The third rung in the ladder is the Lord's Day. What's different from this point from the second point? Well, very simply that in our time, I see so many people who use the Lord's Day mostly for themselves and not for the Lord. You can never be a disciple of the Lord if that's the way you use the Lord's Day. Now, thank God you're here now. I appreciate that, and I congratulate you for being here. It's important that you be here, but this does not end the Lord's Day. It lasts all day long. How will we use our day? The Bible says in Mark 2:27, the Sabbath was made for man. In other words, Jesus was saying, you cannot be a healthy individual if you use all seven days for your business or for your pleasure or for whatever it is that satisfies your life. You need a change. You need to come aside. You need the Lord's day in order to grow inwardly and be strengthened physically. He made the day for worship and relaxation. Now that says something to me. I have to rule out, therefore, on this day, things that I do the other six days. I don't go to ball games on the Lord's Day. I don't go to amusements on the Lord's Day. I don't plan picnics on the Lord's Day. I don't go to the river on the Lord's Day. I don't golf on the Lord's Day. I do not go to a place of business on the Lord's Day because this is a day for me to set aside my heart and my body to be resuscitated and strengthened in God. It's a different day. All day, it's a different day. And without it, I would never make it. These other things have become more popular than the house of God. We have been enamored by the things that are available out there to us. And we've got to come back to the basics of discipleship. The Lord gave us the Sabbath that we might grow in it and develop in it. And therefore, it has to be a different day than the other six. I can do all those other things that I mentioned in the other six days. I do not have to do them today. No way. It's the Lord's day. It's a day of spiritualizing my life. And in doing so, I find great physical strength as well. The Lord's Day. Have you thought of it? 
as a step to victory. The fourth step is Bible reading, our handbook for life, a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our pathway. How can we ever find our way without reading the Word? Jeremiah 22:29 has an interesting statement from the prophet. Oh, earth, 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 hear the word of the Lord. Three times he shouts it. Oh, earth, 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 hear the word of the Lord. I feel that is a right cry for this hour. Oh, earth, hear the word of the Lord. The Bible, God's word, how much have you read of it this week? How are you doing in the Read the New Testament through program? Are you up to date? Matthew 22, 29, some Sadducees came to Jesus with questions about the resurrection, and Jesus said, Ye do err, not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. Why is it that so many are weak? Why is there so much difficulty? Why are families falling apart? Turn off the TV and read the Bible. Get into the Word. Are you sharing it with your children? All kinds of wonderful books and helps available. Are you into the Word of God? Heaven and earth may pass away, but my Word shall never pass away. You've got to get into the book if you're going to be a disciple of the Lord and you're going to grow and develop and defeat the enemy. Jesus in the wilderness, remember, defeated the enemy by saying, it is written, it is written, it is written. He did not say, I'm the Son of God, you can't tempt me. He said, it is written in the Word, it is written, it is written. And the devil fled. Path to victory. Number five, the sacrament. A sacrament is the visible sign of an invisible grace. And the Lord gave us two sacraments in the church, baptism and Holy Communion. Both of them express testimony to the presence of the Lord in one's life. Baptism to start the Christian life. Jesus was baptized of John as an example. Immersed in the River Jordan, and in Romans 6, 1 through 4, Paul said, here's the picture. Like as Christ died and was buried and rose again, so we die to sin. We're buried with him in baptism. We're raised from the water to newness of life. Tonight, when people come up out of that water, they're making a statement to the world and a statement to the devil himself. I'm changing masters. I'm leaving the old life behind. I'm setting a new course for my life. Jesus Christ is now the Lord of my life. Everyone needs to be baptized by immersion as a testimony or a confession of their faith. And you have that opportunity today as well as communion. Isn't that handy? Tonight the Lord's Supper will be observed. As oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Tonight's the night for us as a church to share testimony through the communion, that which follows baptism on a regular basis, to keep the testimony alive, to keep it going. The church calls times of communion so we can take the bread and take the cup and put them to our lips and say, I still believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he died and was buried and rose again for my justification. I take this bread in remembrance. I drink this cup in 
remembrance. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I announce to the world I am still his child. I announce to the devil I am still the child of the king. I am not his property. This sacrament of communion says I am one of the Lord's disciples. Oh, how important to victory are the sacraments. And yet when we see them announced, often people run the other way. How sad. There's weakness that comes spiritually and physically when we neglect the sacraments. The Lord left them for the strengthening of our lives. Climb the ladder to victory by participating in the sacraments. Number six, friendship. Robinson Crusoe would not have been a normal Christian because the Lord never intended for us to be on an island alone, separated from our friends. Solitary religion is unhealthy. The things of God were intended to be shared. One should go in and have fellowship with the people of God in public worship and then out in private fellowship with people of like faith to grow and to nurture one another. We need to get together and laugh. A merry heart is like a medicine. We need to get together and talk about our children and our grandchildren and how exciting that is. And to talk about our job and to talk about all things that pertain to life and talk about godliness and how we can grow in our Christian faith together. Paul always longed to have fellowship with his brethren. You cannot be a normal Christian cutting yourself off. There has to be friendship. You have to relate to other people. That's the way the Lord intended it to be. I learned something about geese. Four lessons from geese. Would you like to know what those lessons are? Science has discovered why geese fly in V formation. As each bird flaps its wings, it creates an uplift for the bird immediately following. By flying in V formation, the whole flock of geese, now get this, increase their range 71%. What does that mean to us? It means we can travel on the thrust of one another. If each bird flew on its own, cut off 71% of its range. Is God saying something through geese to us? Second lesson, whenever a goose falls out of formation, it suddenly feels the drag and resistance of trying to go it alone and quickly gets back into formation to take advantage of the lifting power of the bird immediately in front. If we have as much sense as a goose, we will stay in formation with those headed in the same way we are going. And I hope you have as much sense as a goose. Thirdly, the geese honk from behind to encourage those up front to keep up their speed. Have you ever wondered why they do that, flying over it, honk, honk? They encourage those in front to keep up the speed. What do we say when we honk from behind? Lesson number four, when a goose gets sick or is wounded by gunshot and falls out, two geese fall out of formation and follow him down to the ground. They stay there and protect him until he's either able to fly or until he dies. 
And when that happens, they launch out on their own or with another formation to catch up with the original group. What would happen if people on the outside knew that we would stand by them like that in the church? Four lessons from geese about friendship. Powerful. You can't make it alone. It's impossible. God has put us here for one another. Let's seek that out and nourish it at every opportunity. Number seven, service. Strength comes not only through eating, but also through exercise. Nobody gets strong just by eating. The opposite happens. You have to exert yourself for God at times. Since we last met here, have you done anything for Christ in the advancement of his cause? You've involved yourself in ministry of some kind, whether it was driving a church bus, serving as an usher, sweeping around here, teaching, doing whatever, or going out to call on a sick person, praying for them. What have you done since we last met for the advancement of his cause? If you haven't done anything, you're only eating and you're not exercising, and that will prove to be a death blow to your life. God gave to us an unfinished world and an unfinished task. Matthew 28, 19, and 20 clearly states to us our objective. We are to go out and teach all nations to observe all the commands of the Lord. Great strength is derived when we get involved in that process. We can't just come and eat, as important as that is. We just get bloated. We get bigger and bigger until we burst. And we're worth nothing unless we exercise. All you have to do is call if you don't know what to get involved in. There are all kinds of opportunities, all kinds of things that are needed in building the kingdom of God. I adjure you in the name of the Lord to find some area of exercise. This is the spiritual Jack LaLanne place for you to get a job and to build up some muscle in the name of the Lord. That's right next to the top of the ladder. Now, number eight, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. How can any of us do Christ's work without Christ's power? And many of you have been saved, but you haven't taken the step the Ephesians were encouraged to take when they said, we have not so much as heard about the Holy Ghost. Have you received since you believed? Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, under the uttermost parts of the earth. There is the need for spiritual power in our discipling. And there is a Pentecost following Calvary and the empty tomb. There is a Pentecost for everybody, an upper room experience for everybody, for power that we may live above the temptations and tests of the enemy, discipling. Have you received since you believed with the evidence of speaking in other tongues according to Acts 2.4, according to Acts 10, according to Acts 19, according to 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14. Paul said, I speak with tongues more than ye all. He had that wonderful inner flow of God's Spirit in other languages where he could communicate through the barriers of the enemy, through the temptations of life where he could reach through to the very throne of God 
God in a public meeting. He said, I'd rather speak five words with my understanding than 10,000 in an unknown tongue. But in private, he said, I speak with tongues more than you all. I am edified. I am lifted up as I do this. I receive power when this happens, just like those disciples on the day of Pentecost. Peter, a reed was changed to Peter, a rock. He preached a message of conviction. 3,000 were saved after the power came into his life. The baptism of the Holy Ghost. Many of you need to get along with God and receive. Many of you have not tarried until you have been filled with the fullness of God and your life is like a roller coaster. It's up one day and down the next. You have great highs and then you have tremendous lows and then you'll come back up again and wait down until the breath actually leaves your body just like in one of those cars on a roller coaster and you wonder what you've done. You need the power of the Holy Ghost in your life. A mother mouse one day was with her young in the hole and it was time for her to introduce her young to the larger world. She cautioned them to pay strict attention to what she did and proceeded to leave them, lead them rather out of their mouse hole. In the living room, she saw a big cat sleeping close to the intended path. Frightened at what lay ahead, but not wanting to appear cowardly to her children, she led her family silently forward. Just as she was creeping past the cat, the cat's eyes popped open and she raised her massive paw. As the paw began its downward descent, the mouse turned to the cat and barked like a dog. The cat was so frightened she turned and ran from the room. Whereupon the mother mouse stopped her young, turned to them and said, In an emergency, it's always good to know a second language. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you God knew that before mother mouse. God said, I'm going to gather together in an upper room my followers and I'm going to give them a second language. They're going to face emergencies. They're going to face some terrible lows. They're going to be facing persecution. They're going to need power. They're going to need how to know how to pray through when it comes to a tremendous obstacle. I will give them another language. I will baptize them in the Holy Ghost and with fire. And in Acts 2, they were all gathered together in one place, in one accord. When the Holy Ghost came and they all spake with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance and it revolutionized the world. The power of God came into the church and the power of God is still waiting to come into any church and into any life. The baptism of the Holy Ghost. Do you have that in case of an emergency? We need it. Prayer. Church services, the Lord's Day, Bible reading, the sacraments, friendship service, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, all are essential on the path to victory. Don't leave a one of them out because they're all taught here in this book. Necessary for life and wholeness. A man called the pastor. He said, I have a gun to my head and I'm going to blow my brains out. The pastor was a very wise man. He said, well, why'd you call me? Well, he said, I thought, maybe you'd want to talk to me first. Well, fine, come on in, and we'll talk. So he did. And he said, well, sir, I suspect that from what you have told me on the phone, your desperate situation, your wife has left you. 
No, he said, my wife's very faithful, dear lady. Well, he said, from what you've told me, I suppose you've lost your job and you're destitute. No, he said, I, I really have a good job. Well, from what you've told me, then I suppose that you can't eat because of the desperate situation of your life. He said, no, as a matter of fact, I have a tremendous appetite. I can't figure it out. And the more the pastor talked and asked him the questions, the more this man knew how silly and how foolish he was. He was living like Solomon said, vanity, vanity, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. He had his eyes on the wrong thing. Solomon had 700 wives, 300 concubines, if you can imagine that. Chariots, horses, wealth, untold wealth. And yet when he summed it all up, he said, vanity, vanity, all is vanity and, and uh, vexation of spirit. And here is the whole law of God. Keep his commandments. This is the whole summation of it. Climb the ladder. Follow faithfully. You never have to put a gun to your head. You'll never have to be in despair. You'll find victory when you follow the simple rules that God has set forth. But you can't detour. You can't scoot around one or two of them and come in at some other level. You've got to climb them faithfully, one by one, systematically. It's day upon day, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. It's one day at a time, just doing them over and over again, not allowing anything or anybody to keep you from the process. You will become a disciple of the Lord Jesus in victory, leading others under the Lord. And I hope that's what you want. Let's stand together now all over the building. Hallelujah. Many needs represented in a crowd like this. The Holy Spirit has been speaking to you as this service has been progressing. You know where you are in your spiritual life. I want to open this altar. There will be people here to pray for you. Some of you need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The laying on of hands and acts provided that marvelous release. There will be somebody here to do that. You may need salvation. I have a tape and a booklet I want to give you. I want you to come forward. You're giving your life to Christ. You need to have your sins forgiven. Today's the day. Now's the time. This is a great opportunity. Some of you have other needs. I want you to come and receive the help that's available. And don't delay. If you're in the balcony, the stairways will bring you right to the front. If you're on this main floor, every aisle leads you this way. You come. As we sing, trust and obey.